Welcome to Trending in Education. Mike Palmer here. Always happy to have a return engagement today. Adam Dalton is returning to the show. Adam is the founder and CEO of a company called Imagine Robotify. We had him on about a year ago. Kicked off what will hopefully be an ongoing conversation as the world evolves and the work that he's doing evolves. Adam, welcome back to Trending in Education. Thanks, Mike. It's great to be back. I think it was to spoke to you last August. A lot has changed in the world since then. It's been a crazy time. Yeah, exactly. Nothing against dogs and nothing against us, but we're all aging maybe seven times uh, what was a normal pace before. For folks who may have missed the first episode, we'll include it in the show notes, but can you give us an accelerated version of your story? Yeah, absolutely. Happy to do so. So I'm from Dublin in Ireland. And when I was a young kid, I was very interested in Lego, in building things. I had a really big imagination, but was unfortunately not gifted with a great voice or the ability to play music or <laughs> was a terrible artist. And where I found my solace and kind of where I found my creativity unleashed was when I started programming. Remember, I started creating hobby websites, different small applets, and I suppose different web apps and really found myself feeling very creative and unlocked and always had a bit of an entrepreneurial streak. So we went to high school in a place called St. Paul's in a village called Rohini here in Dublin on the north side of the city. And myself and my good friend, Evan Darcy, we met each other on the, on the first day of high school, but when we were about 16, we used to sit next to each other in science class. We started talking about building a business and we started teaching kids in our local high school how to code in coding classes. And we found through iteration and trying new things, we found that the most engaging way to teach them how to code was using robots because they could see their code come to life in the form of a physical device. And so, you know, where we went to school, I would say certainly the area we, we grew up in, coding was certainly not at the forefront of, you know, these students, you know, imagination. It was very sporty or, yeah. you know, you know, just hanging out with your friends. Gaelic football, I believe. Gaelic, yeah. Gaelic, Gaelic football and hurling. That was, you know, people loved and. You know, if you talked about coding, people would kind of think, hey, that's only for the nerdy kids. And we found that these robots really just, you know, brought a spark into the classroom that was unbelievable. So we got a bit older. That was the age of 16. And we started developing our business more. And the name Robotify really, you know, really just stuck. We loved it. And it just really kind of caught on. But what we started realizing was that school districts in the United States were spending huge money on physical devices because they really appreciated what we had found, which was yeah. they're an amazing way to inspire young learners. Everybody loves a good robot. I got a four-year-old. He's already a huge robot enthusiast. It's amazing. just part of what it's like to be a human in the 21st century. Absolutely. And and like these robots that we had were like they were like four-wheel drive robotic cars that were obstacle avoidance. And but we... four-wheel drive is no joke though. Oh absolutely. <laughs> But the whole thing that we did, and I think we did, you know, well was we looked at the market and listened to the customers and we saw this thing happening, which was most school districts were ordering 40, 50 robots to serve, you know, an entire district or an entire school. So these robots were shared between them and that's because they're quite expensive. So there's a big accessibility issue. And not only is there an accessibility issue from an equity perspective, there's also an accessibility thing from just a physical accessibility yeah. you know, and right. COVID really made that even worse because there was, you know, millions of dollars of robots locked up in yeah. classrooms. So, you know, obviously Evan and myself, we didn't fancy our chances, you know, with competing against a Lego, right. some of these, you know, robotics companies. And I know all the guys that run them now and they're really good guys. And so we said, look, why don't we do something different? So 
when a school buys, you know, 30 or 40 robots to share between all their kids, what if we build software that enables students to control fully virtual robots in immersive 3D worlds, yeah. meaning that your students can take your robots home. There's one-to-one -one access for every student. And now kids can control things like the Mars rover or drones. We even have a robot dog now, you know, fast forward, you know, five or six years. And when we made that switch, we built a lot of amazing technology and built a very easy to use web-based platform and had everything running really efficiently on things like Chromebooks and then built this amazing curriculum that was like really, you know, inspiring, built a robot called Axel, a virtual robot called Axel. Yeah. I remember Axel from our previous conversation Al along those lines, you may not notice this, but for our listeners, you were doing all this in your really early twenties, but it's easy to forget because you're presenting like a mature CEO <laughs> who founded a company and sold it to Imagine Learning and is now operating at another level as it scales. It's easy for our listeners. And even I did this in our first interview to miss the fact that you've been doing this on a really accelerated timeline and also yeah. in a way that is connecting you to yourself eight or 10 years ago, where what are the products that are relevant? What are the learning experiences that actually resonate with the rising generations, Gen Z, what we call it here in the States. But I just yeah. wanted to pause on that because I know I kind of missed that in no, our first conversation. There's probably lessons that you could tell us because your experience growing up when you did and growing up where you did brings you to this moment in a different way since really November. Yeah. Stuff that we talked about in our previous conversation, I think is much more relevant. You're building virtual robots that kids can program. The STEM program is scaling across the U.S. There's lots of stories to tell about that. But I think just pausing for a moment and getting some of your reflection or some of your perspective on how fast the world is changing. Our last episode, you were kind of predicting the future already. You were talking about how much jobs were going to be transformed, changed by virtue of AI. And now, rather than just talk about that, which is what we did last August, now everybody's experiencing it. I'd love to get a little bit of your perspective on that. Yeah, absolutely. So just to kind of finish off, yeah, Mike, thanks for mentioning it. But we obviously we were very young. So at the age of 23, so we kept scaling the business at the age of 23. We were acquired by Imagine Learning and are an incredible business and incredible company that's making a huge impact in igniting kind of learning outcomes and student outcomes across the United States. Big provider of supplemental digital curriculum in the United this is, States. This is your pathway to scale, really. Exactly. So that was November 2021. And fast forward to where we are now. I know I spoke to you last August. And I think I said at the start, the world is a very, very different place. And just my thoughts in general on AI, you know, I'd be lying if I, if I said, I think it would progress this quickly and kind of one of those things that always felt quite dystopian, something to worry about, you know, another day. Yeah. And I think from everything that I'm seeing, you know, I'd also be lying if I said I wasn't worried. It's a scary prospect in terms of, I think the big issue with a lot of these technologies is, especially when you look at something like open AI is you know how closed source everything is one of the things that, that i suppose is encouraging me as i follow it is the rise of the open source competitors to some of these closed source large language models and other libraries and and that's i think that's really a bit of an antidote to the chaos you know the open source nature of it but i really worry because 
you know, education is an industry which is heavily regulated. And, you know, I think we can all at times be very critical of governments. And I don't think there's anyone that's ever happy with anyone in government. But, you know, there's certainly a time where, you know, regulation is really important. And right now, I just think we're lagging behind on the regulatory side. Yeah. But in terms of, you know, on the plus side of it, so, you know, they're kind of my fears, but on the plus side of it, it also has the potential to be one of the most impactful things you know, ever created for humanity, especially in the world of education. One of the things we, we speak about a lot is, you know, in, in Imagine Learning is accessibility and equitability. And I just think this really levels the playing field. It really, really rebases everything that's been happening. If you even look at tutoring, for example, you know, like the, the world of AI tutors is already there and, you know, tutors can be very expensive, usually you know, middle to high income background, you know, families and you know, this really, you know, gives students that need access to, uh, you know, one-to-one tutoring, access to one-to-one tutoring. And yeah, yeah. that's just a small example. But when you look at the, you know, transliteration, for example, since we last spoke, Imagine Robotify has released authentic Spanish transliteration. I don't know if I mentioned that in the last pod, but we've got, you know, obviously a large percentage of the US population are native Spanish speakers. And yeah. no one ever thinks to do, you know, people think of doing coding content. It's like, hey, do we do coding content in Spanish, right? But this technology has the potential to just, you know, revolutionize how we think about education. And so that really, really excites me. Yeah. The other part that I get intrigued by is the future of work. And that's something that we talked a bit about previously, where the nature of your curriculum involves coding, but it is also collaborative. You mentioned the four C's of critical thinking, collaboration, communication, creativity, how in many ways, the type of work you might do on a team in your high school with Robotify, training, computing, working as a group to figure out how to make your robots solve problems and you know create novel yeah. solutions. In a lot of ways, that is similar to a vision for the future of work that we're starting to see now, especially for the kids who are, you know, you were talking about access for the kids who maybe we're the least likely to learn computer science. Can you talk a little bit about how Robotify and the way you've designed it kind of brings those kids in and hopefully connects them to potential pathways to jobs and just the resilience that young learners are going to need to stay relevant? Absolutely. You know, and one of the things we're, you know, we're already seeing, you know, large companies hiring prompt writers, the right prompt. Right. For these prompt uh, prompt engineers, Adam. Prompt engineers, exactly. Sorry, prompt engineers, right? And I'm sure the salaries are up there (laughs) and more than than what an engineer would be on. So it's like, how do we talk to these things and get value? And you know, the rate of progress, you know, it remains to be seen how exponential the curve is, and will we reach a limit on what we can actually do from a a compute perspective? And you know, is there enough GPUs in the world to train the type of models we need for AI? I'm not an expert. I don't know, but you know, it's already changing the future of work. And I've always said this, which is my worry is now, will we be able to keep ourselves busy as humans? And my view is always, if you look at some of these bigger revolutions that have happened, like the industrial revolution, people were worried that, you know, these machines were going to take their jobs. And then there was new service industry jobs and there was new jobs to use these machines. And I always have had a belief that with the AI ways that there's going to be new jobs created. And I still think we don't know what they, they look like right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But what I do know is there's an emotional side missing to the artificial intelligence that 
emotional intelligence, that creativity, that human touch of collaboration and, and kind of critical thinking. I know these models have a lot of that, but there's the element that ties it all together in terms of being human. And I think wielding these technologies to get to results quicker, you know, we see developers in our job already using AI models to help in their code, their coding flow. They might utilize GitHub Copilot to help them write quicker. So in general, human productivity is going to go through the roof by using these tools as, as kind of assistance. So that brings it back to what are those underlying skills that are going to be really important in a post-AI world, which is, you know, the ability to think critically, to solve problems, to communicate, you know, communication is going to be so important and the ability to collaborate. And those are the four big yeah. things. And I think also from a coding perspective, it's really important to understand how these technologies are built and it just makes it a lot easier with AI. And I think our view on it at Robotify on AI is, I don't know if you've ever used ChatGPT and you know, mm -hmm. obviously I've and used it, but it's not, it's not inherently fun. You know, there's something in the human process of doing that's really important, especially in education. And I, I remember listening to, you know, someone on this, I can't remember who it was. It might've been Neil deGrasse Tyson or something. It was about when this whole chat GPT thing came out and people were doing, you know, college lectures. I mean, <laughs> you know, I know plenty of people I know used it in college and we've got some members of the team here that I won't name that I've probably used GPT for an assignment or two, but essentially, you know, he was saying that the whole concept of people doing their college assignments via, you know, chat GPT completely defeats the purpose of, you know, university. I think it's really interesting because you think about it and you go to college or, you know, school, all the pipelines will work. The reality of it is, you know, getting the answer to an exam is just a means to getting a pass on your assignment. You're actually not learning by doing in Robotify still very, very much so that there's a love of labor in actually writing the code and learning the code and iterating and testing and seeing these technologies where, where applicable. So for example, I can see this technology being a big, big winner in the world of moderation and safeguarding online, you know, yeah. keep an eye out for predatorial behavior to make sure things are moderated and everything is clean. The technology, you know, in, in terms of helping students to the right solution, you know, like a virtual assistant or tutor. Yeah. But there's just something, you know, that we're seeing in Robotify, which is, you know, we're very much so subscribed to the idea that it's important to still be involved in the process. And I think in education, I think it's going to struggle, you know, to break into, you know, our everyday classroom, you know, with kids and certainly for the next five or six years, while it's still being regulated and the world is trying to figure out what it does, you yeah. know, I, I think we're going to see a lot of these traditional plus type models where it's, you know, maybe a robotified fits that mold really nicely, which is it's definitely not traditional, you know, it's traditional in terms of its curriculum, but it's also got this extra, you know, this immersive 3D world and, you know, these colorful projects that people can do. Yeah. I, I think it, it's really interesting. It's probably, I, and when I talk about that college example, it's probably not a good thing for the world of young learners in some ways, insofar as the idea that you have to work hard to get to where you want to be. It kind, right. of, it kind of goes against that in some ways because you can just ask it to spit out something that right. would have taken human you know an hour or two hours yeah and i think it doesn't teach kids the right thing yeah, that's interesting work. That, yeah work that way that makes me think of the old uh two by two i remember which is smart not smart lazy hard working and the cell that you want to kind of focus on is smart and lazy 
because frequently that's where the innovation happens. So I would say the fact that you have a few of those in your midst who may have seen a expeditious way to get through some assignments. In essence, that's resourcefulness, Adam. And that it does also yeah. free up to me the interesting questions are more with that freed up time, you know, with that automation. What is our education ultimately in service of, you know, both on the like the civic responsibility of, of education, like to actually create positive citizens who are going to make the world a better place on the one hand. And then on the other hand, you know, getting back to the idea of the future of work, assuming some of the more rote tasks are going to be handed off, how do you cultivate the right mindset? You know, in, in some ways, it's almost like the executive function that you need to be able to tell a chatbot what to do. In some ways, I think it probably does come out through even the game dynamics and and some of the stuff that you're doing with right. Robotify. But I'd love to hear a little bit of your thinking on this. Yeah, and I wish I had the kind of the answer to what those jobs and what that time gets plugged with, you know. And I think it does highlight something in in the education system and in general across many different countries. I had that experience in Ireland, definitely in the United States, which is, you know, you mentioned, is it producing good citizens, you know, for, for society? Certainly, I think that's what the goal is in terms of the romantic nature of why you know, education is really important in a first world society. And I think the challenge is over you know, hundreds of years, have we developed systems that aren't actually you know, helping students in that way? And are they too focused on exams or too focused on you know, generalizing and you know, putting yeah. kind of square pegs into it? Or even creating future earners. If the idea is that ultimately we're developing people who will be able to command as much capital as possible, yeah. that can create a path to working at a hedge fund versus teaching in a classroom, you know, not to cast dispersions on financial services, but it does seem like we need to think perhaps both ways when yeah. trying to understand what we're doing. And that's what I was going to say. And one of the things that I know, obviously the irony of it is that we're serving fully virtual robots, but the whole idea of that is, you know, it's because there's a physical movement to it. And one of the things I really believe in, I really think the world needs is more physical labor jobs. And that's going to be highly skilled mm. electricians, plumbers, builders, yeah. like these jobs are jobs that will literally never go away. You know, it's like, okay, at the state of actual physical robotics gets to the stage where yeah. at that, but we're, we're quite a ways off that. And, you know, for me, I think there is sometimes this notion that you know, you're doing computer science, you're doing it, you know, whether you're doing it to become, you know, you want to work in a hedge fund or maximize your capital. It's actually life skills in there, you know, of learning how to communicate, collaborate, be creative, solve problems. Mm -hmm. And when you're solving these complex challenges, getting fun out of that and finding out that there's fun in the challenge is a really nice thing. And that's why, you know, I always love seeing guys that have done the robotic courses in the past go on to, you know, as much as I'd love to see someone go on and become a, you know, computer scientist. I'm happy to see someone go on and do a physical trade, you know, become a plumber, electrician. And by the way, those skills, I think, are going to just explode. And actually, if you look at the cost of labor in terms of, you know, getting work done in a house or, you know, getting a job done, it's actually gone sky high. That's down to demand and supply of these individuals. And obviously, I know there's some macro things happening that are driving up the cost of equipment, but the skills required to do these physical jobs Super, super important. And I think it's a bit of a rude awakening for the kind of mentality of white collar workers, you know, we're safe and 
And I think that's going to be a, a scary, scary thing. But I, I do think that the regulators, you know, will step in. And ultimately, you know, I'm a believer in sometimes it's hard to be, but a very positive believer in the ability of mankind to solve some of these challenges. Always like more of an optimistic view of the future yeah. rather than the negative. So I think right. there's a world which this aids creativity and this aids, you know, people getting to the career that they, you know, want to be at and removes absolutely. a lot of barriers, right? Yeah, absolutely. And not everyone of your generation has received the keys to the car, so to speak. So not everyone in the rising generation are actually leading organizations and making the change happen. But over time, we have to expect that Gen Z, the rising generations, folks in their teens and 20s now are ultimately going to be the ones who are going to have to really rise to the occasion and understand how to work with all this stuff. The other thing we didn't really talk about is entrepreneurship as a path. And your path in particular is one that perhaps we should think more about unpacking what it takes to teach someone yeah. how to start a business, how to grow a business. It sounds like you maybe are self-taught, but I'd love to get a little more of your perspective on that. Because if you think about the future of work, hopefully there will be more Adam Daltons in the future who are able to use these tools to make solutions that ultimately drive a career and change the world. Yeah, I appreciate that a lot. It's one of those things where, you know, I personally believe in my kind of growth and my journey, you know, childhood, you know, teenage years and all my experiences probably led me to being an entrepreneur kind of in quotes. And I think, I guess just the, the feelings that that brings is kind of, it's the type of stuff that makes you feel alive. And, you know, every day is different. You know, you're chasing something great. You're chasing greatness. And there's an ambition there. And I think, you know, ambitious people need to be surrounded by other ambitious people. And when that happens, it's an extremely positive force on the world. And I think what's really exciting me is when we started our business, Stephanie was self-taught. We made so many mistakes. We had no idea what we're doing. So the most part, I'd say, if I look back to even me last year, I'm like, oh, well, yeah, what was I doing? I'm constantly looking back, feeling like I was an idiot. Yeah, two right. years ago. Yeah, years ago. and I'll probably look back in ten years' time at me right now and be like, "What was I thinking?" Right. And I think it's the continuous learning journey that you kind of go on as an entrepreneur. So I definitely haven't got there nowhere near it. I still have so much to learn and so much to figure out. But the great thing about it is, there's pretty no excuses. You know, it's like. The only thing stopping you right now is, you know, having an internet connection and a device to go and, you know, go and do that. Mm -hmm. And when we started, the limits were slightly higher, but like really, we, if we couldn't figure something out, you know what we did? We Googled it to figure out what it was. We wrote most of our early, early code base off Stack Overflow and these other tools. And we just figured it out by being dogged, being stubborn, being yeah. a bit ignorant and just really putting in the hard yards, the effort and the ability to focus and stick with things. Because I think that's one of the things that, well, as I, I don't know, my Gen Z, 98, I was born probably, you yeah, know, probably. Yeah. And, I, and I think that the big thing, you know, I definitely struggle with attention span, you know, focus and sitting down and moving through things. And, you know, I think as we even move through that generation, it's scary how little attention span, you know, most kids these days have. It's like an instant world and instant you know, instant, instant, instant. And it's like, you know, TikTok is, is yeah. taking over Instagram, YouTube, Twitch, and it's just all instant entertainment. And to build a business, 
I think a lot of people that build businesses probably, you know, have some form of ADHD or something like that. You know, it's like, yeah, because I'm always moving from one thing onto the other. So I actually see a lot of opportunity for kind of Gen Z to get into the world of entrepreneurship just because of the nature of how they feel. And it's a really gratifying feeling when you're moving from one thing to the next and next and next. But I do believe entrepreneurship, what's amazing about it is, you know, everyone has a different motivation for doing it. And, and if I told them my motivation was purely money, I'd be you know lying to you because it's genuine money not. You know, there's plenty of motivations. The pursuit of the money thing is the pursuit of success is just almost like a carrot that society puts out. And yeah. Say, hey, there's a reason why, you know, that's how capitalism works. That's the scoreboard, you know? That's the scoreboard. And but the real kind of driver for it is like, okay, how do I feel when I have a great meeting with someone that, you know, I just really enjoyed talking to? How do I feel when I get to meet new people? How do I feel when I close a big sale? You know, how do I feel when I don't get good feedback or the product breaks? And, you know, you feel low and there's this like amazing journey that you go on that gives purpose to people's lives. And mm -hmm. I, and, and all through that, and the thing that you don't realize is for the most part in most startup businesses, and obviously this isn't true of everything, but most likely 99% of the time in education, you're making the world a better place. And like, this is something I haven't really reflected on, which is something I'm, I'm very proud of, that of the work that my team, Evan and myself have done is we've made the world a better place. You know, forget, you know, all the sales or all the failures or, you know, the money raised and the you know, acquisition, forget all of that. We've made an impact on students' lives. And that's actually why entrepreneurship is an amazing career path for young people, because they can have all the fun in the world, explore, adventure, fail, succeed, fail, succeed. And at the end of the day, even if they only touch one person, they're making the world a better place. We've been running a lot of great pilots, won a lot of great customers last year. And genuinely, when the students use the platform, it's unbelievable. They absolutely love it. And I didn't really know this because I'm so focused on internal selling and marketing. And you know, yeah. we've got this amazing success video. We've got kids standing up in classrooms across the country when they get a challenge right in Robotify doing the axle dance. We did not design it with the idea of there will be some dance that kids are doing in the class where you say, hey, let's try this thing. It might be a bit of fun. And, you know, Axel is a lovable, playful character. We've got, you know, thousands of kids across the country dancing to the stuff we built because they've learned something, because yeah. they've learned coding. And it's like unbelievable. You know, we get reports of students that literally, I got a text off an AE a little while back saying, check this out. And it was a video of one of the students, a teacher had sent it to him, helping another student. And that student had never, ever coded before, was so passionate about moving Robotify around the screen that they were helping, you know, their classmate get through it. So I really am a big advocate of entrepreneurship and definitely no one is enough is enough, but go out there and make the world a better place. And, you know, it's certainly, it's about the thrill of the feeling you get from it and definitely not the money. And the byproduct of the money is that you can make your community better, make your family's life better. But if you fail, go again. Really? You know, we failed hundred times. We just never gave up. We never changed the name. Yeah. We had 10 different companies in this thing. We just never changed the name. We just kept going. And if you find a good partner, a good business partner, and a good friend to do that with, it makes the journey a lot easier. Amazing stuff. It is a great name. The name of the company is Robotify. Imagine Robotify. Adam Dalton is the founder and CEO. 
We're pretty much at time, Adam. It's been amazing getting you back. Any closing thoughts as we wrap up here? I think it's great to be able to chat. I'm really, really passionate about all of this stuff. And, you know, one of the things that I'd maybe leave you with is that there's certainly in all of this kind of craziness that's happening outside the world. And, you know, there's this AI thing that worry about the future works. Like, you know what? We figured out a lot of stuff before, you know, we're here where we are because of the brilliant nature of human ingenuity. And there's teachers in classrooms all across the country that are just doing their job every single day that are helping students that are building bonds with students that are building connections with students and that are changing students lives by caring and loving for those students. And I think we need to help kids as much as possible, help them through, you know, mental health struggles, help them through all of this stuff that's going on in the world and really make, you know, make education about building amazing, you know, members of society through love, care, compassion, and what is so nice to see is that even with the lens of all this AI, all this scary stuff, the future of work, what does it mean? Gen Z, this, that, and the other, is that there's just pure, incredible kids that are going through the education system that are using amazing technologies in their day-to-day life and getting excited about that. And Robotify is obviously just one of them. And I'm always going to plug it because I, I love it. And I think it's an amazing product. But if it's Robotify, if it's something else, if it's a learning video that they see, it just makes me feel very positive about the future when I see young kids celebrating learning. And it's thanks to incredible educators and incredible teachers that really care about those. So in the midst of all the negativity, there's still a beauty in that human connection and the belief that, you know, investing in our young people can lead to a better future for the world. So I'm very, very excited for all the stuff that's happening. And I think it'll all work out okay in the end. That's amazing stuff. It's also inspiring to be around entrepreneurs who are passionate about learning. And it's great to see the success story continue to unfold in conversations like this one. Adam Dalton, thank you so much for joining me on today's show. Thanks, Mike. And for our listeners, hopefully you enjoyed what you heard. If you did, please subscribe, write a review, do all the good things. We'll be back again soon. This is Trending in Education. 